Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Koinonia podcast. And we've got a conversation prepared for the day. And I'm here with uh, Joel and Tony, uh, both pillars of righteousness and wisdom and uh, faithfulness. <laughs> and so we're going to record a conversation today about our relationship with our Bibles. And before we start, it's important, I think, for you guys who are listening to know we record these conversations for two reasons. The first is to um, help you in your journey as a disciple of Jesus. And the second is to help you make disciples of, of others. We want, to, we want to equip you for discipleship. And so that's, that's where we're coming from, and that's our like, aim for today. So our, our topic is roadblocks to our relationship with our Bibles. And I think, like, well, the three of us have all experienced... Oh, yeah roadblocks. And so we've summarized them into three kind of statements that we'll explore. And so we'll, we'll share the statement, then we'll just talk about it and, and see where it takes us and see how, how God might lead us um, as we grow in our understanding of his word. So let's just get right into it. The first, um, the first statement is, I know God speaks to me through my Bible, but I don't always feel like he does. And Oh, maybe I'll also say, so we, um, Joel led our youth leaders through mm-hmm. a, uh, a teaching on this at, with, at just like at a teaching session. And we were, after we were done, we were like, dang, more people need to hear about this. Yeah. And so, so as we share the statements, Joel, I would love for you to give a bit of a summary behind that statement and then we'll kind of just jump in and, and discuss. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about the training was that I think it was so impactful. It was a group of our impact leaders who all have their own relationships with Jesus and discipleship journeys, mm. but who were seeking to help specifically in this case, our grade seven to 12 youth yeah. also become more enthralled with the Bible and in the Bible and seek their own discipleship relationship with Jesus. So yeah, I think whatever avenue in this mm. conversation you're coming from, there's value for it, for your personal discipleship walk with Jesus, yeah. and also for anyone in your care, whether it's kids, whether it's right. new Christians who are having their own roadblocks to reading their Bibles and hearing God through them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, Joel, why don't you why don't you take us into that first I know, but statement? I know God speaks to me through my Bible, but I don't always feel like he does. Yeah. So I think one thing to mention on the outset is all of these statements are going to have that same feeling of, I know, but, and the reason for that is because often when we are having a hard time getting into our Bibles, it's, it's not because we have a lack of knowledge that our Mm. Bible is good for us. You know, it's, it's not because we don't know certain things. Of course, there are people out there listening to this that may be newer to the faith and they maybe are new to this kind of information, but typically the problem is not a lack of knowledge that our Bible is good for us, but that we have a hard time acting on that mm. knowledge. Right. So when we're talking about how we know that our Bible is good for us, but we don't feel like reading it, um, I think right away that signals to us that there is a disconnect somewhere between our faith and our feelings. Mm. Now, one thing that... I have found through my life as a Christian, and I'm sure many others have found too, is that that disconnect can be there for all kinds of reasons. And and sometimes we're at the most free place when our faith and our feelings are completely connected. Mm. Um, but sometimes that can break down. 
And I think this is one of the places that can happen. But what we do with that breakdown really matters. Because I think sometimes we get into this place where we care so much about being authentic that we just kind of take our feelings at face value and say, I don't feel this way, therefore it's inauthentic, therefore I prob- to be authentic, I should just uh, not force myself into something I don't it- feel like. And and that's a cultural idea that yeah. I always have to be in line with my feelings. Mm. Feelings kind right. of drive the, true the train of the my feeling life. Me. Yeah. Yes. So if I don't feel like doing this, it's not authentic for me to do this activity. Right. 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 Absolutely. And but the thing to remember is that when we get into that place, we we forget that our feelings, though oftentimes they can be good, mm-hmm. they can't always be trusted. Yeah, And keeping those true. both in mind are really important because feeling is an important component to faith. A trusting in Jesus will change how we feel. It is, it is just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we have that breakdown and our feelings are not close up to our faith, uh, that is one of those signs that that is the time that our feelings aren't to be trusted, but instead are meant to be trained. Hmm. Okay. Because, um, and sometimes that happens uh, typically by having a rhythm. Often we think of our feelings affecting our rhythm. Another way you might say this is we think of our hearts lead us to do things with our bodies. But I think it's important to think of the relationship between our hearts and our bodies as a two-way street, that our rhythms also change our feelings. Yeah. So and, like the physical things that we do yes. also can change how we feel, while at the same time, how we feel influences the physical things that we do. C.S. Lewis exactly, yes. talked about this in the Screw Tape Letters, which are an imaginary yeah. conversation between great two book, demons. Yeah, yeah. Really it's a great, great book. And he, the, the demon writes, he's like, do not let him get on his knees. Do hmm. not. Make him pray standing up. Make him believe that there's no difference between right. praying on his knees versus praying standing up, hmm. because there is a fundamental connection between what I do with my body and how I feel. Right. So when I'm kneeling, I'm humbling myself yeah. before God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Would, yeah. Would, you know, to all the girls out there, would <laughs> would you think it's the same proposal if the guy yeah, just right. casually slouched against a right. wall or if he, <laughs> he got down on, on one, one knee? Yeah, yeah, just leaning back. Yeah, yo, like, will you marry me? Right. No, it's not the same. Yeah. You, there's, there's something in that physical act that creates a feeling. Right. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. No, but that's, that's a really great that. clarifier because that builds off of what Tony is saying about the cultural idea of being authentic is sometimes we think, oh man, I don't feel this. Therefore, if I got on my knees, therefore, if I open my Bible, it, would, it wouldn't be real. Like it doesn't count? It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, like almost yeah. like it doesn't count. Hmm. But the thing is, is over time, even, even if it's like so subtle, our rhythms do affect. Yeah. Um, about how we feel. Like if you hang out with the same people every Friday night for a year, I can guarantee you will start to feel similarly to them about things. Right. Yep. Because it's just has this rhythm of, I mean, if we talk in like the world of psychology, this is called conditioning. But that if we take that and we think of it through the lens of faith, it's also a tool of the Holy Spirit. Our rhythms right. are tools of the Holy Spirit to change and to shape us. And I think, you know, the Christians from history, a lot of them really got this. And this is why you see time and time again, you have these communities built out of what we might think of as like 
discipleship training programs where they right. just implemented these rhythms of discipleship that were meant to shape their hearts and their loves. So one small way that we can boil that down in our life is sometimes when you don't feel like you're re- reading your Bible, that is like the time to implement a really a realistic mm. but a determined rhythm, trusting that over time you will probably start to get a taste for your Bible again. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. Because the Holy Spirit will use that. So yeah. could may, let's talk a little bit about realistic and what was the other thing you said? Realistic and and de- yeah, being and realistic and being determined. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just one thing before then, just to all the people who are there, because I know sometimes it's unsaid. God is with you, and God is with with you in the process, whether your feelings are there or whether your feelings are not there. Yeah, I think it's right. it. We all believe this, but just to say it explicitly, that God's love towards you, whether you have a desire for His word or whether your feelings are not there for His word, is the same. Yeah, and that's part of the reason we continue to say that whether our feelings match up, we go to Scripture because in going to Jesus. That's that's the beauty of he cares for our feelings just like he cares for our mind and our hearts and our souls and every part of us. So right. the Bible has the, the Bible as God's word and Jesus as the living word has the ability to hold and care and be tender towards our feelings whether we feel like they match up with what he wants or right. not. Right. Jesus isn't offended when I don't feel mm-hmm. like reading my Bible. His desire for me is to feel like reading it. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. there's also a process of getting there. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about that. And that is the yeah. Yeah, for sure. So so then this I think the idea of something um being uh realistic and defined is very helpful when it comes to developing a rhythm. Because I could say, okay, like tomorrow morning I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna read my Bible every day for half an hour. <laughs> and like nope. great, good rhythm, but like <laughs> is that like is that realistic for you? It's defined, but is it realistic? Or if you say, you know, I want to read my Bible, I, I'm this year I'm determined to read my Bible more. Yep. Like, okay, well, what does that mean? How I, is that? It's not. Right. It's not defined. You also, know. So the combination yes. of those two things is so important. Goals without end dates are the most overwhelming and discouraging things to do. Oh, it's so true. So it's so bad. Yeah. And like any practical reading you do on it is like, don't set a goal without an end date. Yeah. So yeah. I'm way more a, a proponent of people saying. I'm going to do a seven-day plan. And then at the end of the seven-day plan, do another seven-day plan. Yeah. Mm. Valiant Men, they have a Facebook group. They can't be stopped. They can't be stopped because every day, every week, a leader posts another seven-day plan they're doing. And I admire it so much because it's just, it's like, you know, okay, the last seven days didn't go so well. Start again. Yeah. Start afresh. It's good. So let's say somebody's trying to, they're like, okay, I, I feel like this. I don't feel like reading my Bible, but I know it's important. Where do they start? Well, I I mean, I think, you know, it might start with reminding yourself of something. Hmm. And I, I, I do think that the two-way street between your heart and your body is really important as a starting place to remind yourself. Hmm. Because it can kind of be a way that you um, reorient yourself around, like, it, it, it has a way of fueling your hope even when you're not there yet. Because mm. you're like, oh, like, this is going to happen. Like, right. it, it's actually certain. It's a certain thing that my feelings are going to change because it's a two-way street. 
Right. So you're so saying... That, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah. that statement, it, it not to... Changing the statement from, I hope that reading my Bible will change my feelings, or I hope that God will speak to me, to a more certain, like, I know God will speak to me when I open my Bible. I know that God will work with my feelings when I open my Bible. And then letting that drive the hope in approaching the scriptures. Yeah, and and that kind of keeps you afloat when there is like a two or three day period when it feels like you're knocking on a door that won't open because mm-hmm. or maybe even longer sometimes. For longer, yeah, yeah, here, like yeah, um, because you're like, oh well, this takes time. It, it's a two way street, you know. It's see the thing is, anyone who has started a workout plan or Nick, you run, they know this to be true. It's just that we have a hard time bringing it to mind when it comes to things like reading our Bibles. Mm. We know to be true, and same thing with the realistic uh, yeah. goal is if you were if you were a you know if you were, weren't running and you're like, well, I need to prepare for um, this half marathon. Yeah. If you're like, okay, starting tomorrow, I'm going to run an hour a day. Yeah. It would be your body would say, yeah, right. Right. Within like half of the next day. Oh yeah, yeah. So well, well, let me give you an example. Yeah. So I have a race planned in in July, which is a, which is a 21 kilometers. And um, when my son Jonas was born, it just totally changed my ability to run. Yeah. Well, in general, mm. and so there was like a two or three month period where I didn't run. Then January or maybe the last week of December, I was like, okay, I know I'm doing this race, so I'm going to start running. When I did my last half marathon, I my first week. I started with like 25 or 30 kilometers, like just total over the week. Oh, okay. Uh, not, not in one run. <laughs> I thought you were saying no, no. 20. I start with a 25K run. No. So I had <laughs> I had built up this 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 like this bank and ability to run. And then mm. I started my training block at, you know, whatever, 25, 30K in, in the week. This time I started with four kilometers. That was it. That was my first week. And so then every week since January, I've just been slowly building up a little mm. bit more so that by the time, you know, you're ready for the... The race you're up mm-hmm. to like 50 kilometers in a week, but just to your point, like you can't yeah. just you can't just be like, all right, two hours tomorrow, me and the Book of Job, we're gonna get into it. Like it's gonna be a really discouraging start. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Maybe to offer another analogy as well, um, we live in a we live in our world today where the abundance of prepackaged Bible meals <laughs> are out there, and it's kind of like like. I don't know if anyone uses like good food or those meal delivery services oh, like or Hello like Fresh or Hello whatever, Fresh yeah. or that. Yeah. And I have nothing against like, well, I'm listening to, a, we're on a podcast right now, so I'm obviously not against them. But like, <laughs> we live in an age where there is more prepackaged Bible meals than you could ever yeah. find. Hmm. And I think some of it is we sometimes lose the art of cooking for ourselves. Ooh. And I had yeah. this, very practically, I had this journey over COVID where Claire and I were just freshly married and the temptation was we were living on our own to, you know, go out lots or buy lots of meals or that. And I just committed to, no, I want to learn how to cook. Mm. And it was not easy. I actually made cinnamon buns four times. I remember you telling me this. And literally like, not like make and like, oh, these are kind of good. I'm going to improve. Like made the dough, threw all the dough out because it didn't work (laughs) four times before I actually did it. And I just, but I had to be committed to like, I... I'm not going to stop going to restaurants. I'm not going to stop getting good food, but I want to make good food myself. Yeah. And I think here in the West, we have that issue where it's like, if you want a restaurant level Bible meal, you can get it. Right. Totally. You can just open your phone and 
You know, and, whoever you want is right there. And it can be who you like. Like right. you can be listening to who you like. You can be listening to you like. Like it's so yeah. easy. But there's an art to yeah. sitting down with our actual Bible and learning to cook with it, learning to yeah. understand it ourselves. And it's not easy. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. start manageable. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to cook filet mignon your first time. But yeah. there isn't there is an art and a commitment to learning to be in our own Bibles and have God speak to us through it, yeah. not someone else's revelation. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. And I think that's a good like segue back to Nick's Nick's question yep. about how do you start doing that? And and I would say like after you know you've reminded yourself that the connection between your heart and your body are a two-way street. Um I would say like two two really practical steps would be number one, pick a defined time and place. Yep. So um there's a difference between saying I'm going to read my Bible for 15 minutes a day and saying, I'm going to read my Bible for 15 minutes starting at 7 a.m. Right. Those are two different things. And yeah. one gives you, one keeps you from procrastinating because, well, I still haven't failed yet, but then all of a sudden it's 1150 <laughs> and I'm really tired. Right. And I want to go to bed. So, <laughs> so I would say start like pick a defined time and place that's manageable. Yeah, that's good. The second one is tell a friend mm-hmm. who knows you because they'll, they'll help you. I mean, they're going to ask you about it. They're yeah. going to ask you about it. And they might also be a really good sounding board for whether it's realistic or not. Like the oh, one thing yeah. I have learned is I don't always actually have a good sense of what I can realistically do or not do. Mm. I have needed friends at numerous points in my adult life to be like, I mean, that sounds really great. And I'm really glad that that's what you want to do. But I'm uh, I'm really skeptical that that's a good <laughs> starting place. And I think friends have a way of seeing into uh into our situations sometimes in a way that we we can't and so yeah you're right and with friends and, and again i so appreciate about you guys helping you kind of triage your cycles so like when you sure. get to an end of a, a training cycle or a bible reading cycle going okay what were the lessons i learned from this what mm. worked and what didn't and again that sounding board of like yeah okay like maybe it didn't work because you know what was your goal or like what time did you pick is that like is that actually a time when you're alert mm. i do not read my Bible in the mornings. Yeah, I have long desired to be that morning person who does it with my coffee. Yeah, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, but it works way better um, to do it during the day or towards the night for me, not eleven fifty p.m. <laughs> right for for people who work a corporate job like me, like I can put a five minute, ten minute blocker in my calendar where even it's just like I'm going to stop and reflect. Uh, version sends out the daily verse. Yeah. So I have it set. You can set the time. So There's I no it, shame in the daily verse. There's yo. no shame in the it's daily so verse. Good. I have it set to come at 10, and I'll just get that ping on my phone, and sometimes I can stop for five minutes. Sometimes I can just stop for a minute. I just go, okay, this is the verse of the day. Lord, let it speak to me. Let it live with me. Yeah. And then I can just keep going. Yeah. And And so I think that's, you know, friends are really helpful with that, and just knowing yourself, like, if you have kids, maybe your kids are really good in the morning. Like my my brother's kids, uh, they're at an age now where they kind of get their own cereal and right. they sit for a bit. So oh, maybe sweet. you have five minutes where you can do that. Right. But for me, it's like the moment I get up, Leilani's crying. Yeah. You know, I got to put on coffee, get the dog. Claire's probably feeding her in that. Whereas at night, we've maybe put her to bed. She's napping. I can sit with my, or even I'm holding her. Man, right. I love. Oh, Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah, it's really good. Every Christian should read it. it makes me cry. Oh, it's seriously. It's, it's really good. Just 
maybe it was also holding my daughter early on in life, but I'm just like reading the story of Genesis to her and God's unfathomable love. And I'm just like tears in my eyes. Claire's like, is everything okay? I'm like, it's more than okay. God will never stop loving us. <laughs> that's so awesome. And bro, your feelings are being aligned yes, right there. Yeah, that's you know? the thing. What a yeah. cool example. Read the Bible with someone. Read the Bible for someone. Yeah. Because we, yeah. if you're maybe like me and you're not super comfortable with your own feelings and that, reading the Bible for someone else, when you're like expressing God's love for someone else, it's amazing how that can affect your heart. Yeah. Um, when you speak, you know, the words and the promises of the Bible to someone else. Yeah, it's powerful. I wonder if one way we could uh, also kind of bring this to the heart level before we move on to the next I know, but is like this, you know, this I know but phrase is I know God speaks to me Hmm. through my Bible, but I don't always feel like he does. There's something about this statement that's inherently personal. Hmm. So when Mm -hmm. we like, we sit down to read our Bibles, we're sitting down to converse with God. Yeah, right. We are showing up to be with a personal being who speaks through words he's already spoken to uh, people from all cultures and all places. And, and, and that inherently changes how we approach our Bibles. Mm-hmm. It also is, explains uh, why sometimes we don't always feel it, because I don't, I don't always feel, and I actually think sometimes this is a good thing. Like, I don't always feel like when I talk to my wife, it's not like every conversation with I, ha- I have with her, am I taken back to like standing at the altar with her? Because I would never be able to focus. <laughs> right. I could never get anything done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I was just like elated permanently, like there would be conversations that we couldn't have. Like, th- you know, there's, yeah. and th- there are some times where it's, it feels normal, but there's actually something really beautiful and even how the normal and the ordinary shapes our feelings. That's yeah. Good. I've been, I've been following a study through the first five books of the Bible. And it's often when we're reading them, we focus on God in the tabernacle and God, the fire and the presence, mm. but the whole aim of God throughout Exodus, especially was that he would be among his people yeah. in their day to day. And that not only in everything that they do, that he would be with them, but that they would remember him. And I think that really so fits with the analogy of like being married or having a close friend or with your kids. Your desire is not that you live in the the highest moment at, at the altar when your kid was born, but your desire for that person is that they would be with you and you would be with them throughout the the life that you live. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where God, you know, shows up in the fire and in the worship and in the moments, but God is also there in the making the smoothie and the cleaning up the house in your workplace. Um, And that's his desire. That's not less for him. That's actually his full desire for you is that he would be with you in Mm. everything. So when you sit down to the Bible, sometimes it's going to be perfect with your notes and your highlighters and the music. (laughs) And sometimes it's, you know, chaotic on my phone, bouncing my daughter while trying to make dinner. And it's just different every time, but God's okay with that. Yeah. It's good. Mm. All right, guys, let's move to our next I know but statement. And the next one is, uh, I know the Bible has wisdom for me, but I'm not a very intellectual person. I know the Bible has wisdom for me, but I'm not a very intellectual person. And I, I feel like 
I totally, ah, man, I totally identify with this statement. Like the Bible is a pretty intimidating book. And as a, like, as a teenager, I, I was not that good at school. Like, and so there's an element of Mm. where I feel like this is, this is, this is, um, like, how am I going to, how am I going to learn this? How am I going to develop the knowledge to actually understand what's in here? So let's, let's, yeah. I I just want to tackle this phrase, intellectual person. I, I hate it because it's become something that our society has made. Like I have yet to meet a person and I'll just speak here at my local church. So if you're from Koinonia (laughs) and I've met you, I've yet to meet a person that is not intensely uh, skilled at something that I am not Mm. or has a unique perspective on life that I do not. So if you are a functioning adult, I guarantee that you are whatever your definition of intellectual is about something. Yeah. And so maybe we're not all the same. And and I know there's a practical element of the Bible is a book and it's an ancient book. So there are things about it that, you know, for certain personalities are more difficult, but just this, you are an intellectual person. You just may not be about what you've set the standard to be. And especially our schooling systems, it it can be difficult when there's subjects like math and science and, or even English and literature where you're like, I just never did well in those. Like, but I just want to release people from this like need to live by what you did in high school. That's like good. let it go. You're you are you are skilled in whatever job you have set your hand to or some hobby or parents who are raising your kids. Like there is just there is a skill and an intellect and a wisdom that you possess that has you qualified for what you're doing. That doesn't mm. matter on whether you got a C on King Lear yeah, or right. a B <laughs> in Lear. Bio- uh, biology. Right. That's good. Um, so one of the things, Joel, that you shared in our training yeah. that, that has stuck with me is um, is uh, y- we have a desire to understand the things that we love. Yes. And that really yeah. that really stuck with me because I think about like, you know, I could talk about my relationship with my wife or, or something I'm into. Like, I really love running. I've come to love it. And I desire to understand how it how it works. Like. There's, there's more to running than just like putting your shoes on and going outside. Like you can manipulate your body through the kind of training that you do to get faster, to run longer, to, you know, be stronger, whatever it is. And I have a desire to understand that because I love it. And and so then in your training, you were sharing the same thing about our Bible. So I wonder if we could start there. It's like we have this, des- we, we have a desire to understand the things that we love. Yeah, so the first point we explored the connection between a faith and feelings, mm-hmm. and and this point uh, pushes us to think about the relationship between love and learning. Mm. So one point I made in the training session is that uh, our love and our desire to learn are actually always connected, even when we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. typically, when there's something we don't desire to learn it signals that our love is pointed towards something else. Hmm. So, um, and the and the reality of having our love and our learning connected is not true only for a certain kind of person, a person we might label as an intellectual Yes, person. right, that's true. Be, because, so, um, and take, for example, someone we might put in the category of someone who doesn't really like learning. So, well, I would put myself in that category. I don't love school. Yeah, but right. And, and even in like the example you brought up, your love for running, which 
was fostered by rhythm. Nod back to previous point. True. Um, so True. Um, pushed you into the online forums and onto yep. Mech's website and YouTube I'm going to learn what holes. are the best tools to use. And that's really what wisdom is, right? So we're talking right. about the Bible as wisdom for me. Wisdom is like when, when knowledge and experience collide and you learn the tools you need to navigate your life. Chil- yeah. Children are such a great example of this because yeah. um, I've worked in children's ministry a long time and done camps. And my whenever there's a, a kid that's having trouble connecting, I'm always like, okay, what's your thing? Yes. And by thing, I mean, what do you know so much about and yeah. you can't wait to tell me about? Because every kid has one, guaranteed. Yeah. And, and the thing and they know so much about, the thing, they love so much. Yes. And you probably know what your own kids are. Mm. Um, for a while, Easton's was trained and Thomas the Tank yes, Engine, totally. and he loved it. And, you know, it might be uh, like Minecraft or Roblox or something. But as soon as you uncover that thing they love... They would teach you about it for hours. So true. they would sit down with you. They would go through it. They they and it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. And I think all of us have that, but we don't. We aren't aware of it. Right. Um, yeah. So find what you love, and then see how you learn what you love. Um, right. My brother-in-law loves fishing, hmm. and he would be one of those people I think who would not describe himself as an intellectual person. Sure. But when it comes to fishing. The he guy knows reads, what he's talking he about. He studies. Right. He has a wall of lures. He can tell me why they're colored this way, why the everything, and he will do it for hours because he loves it. Yeah, he will right. he will do things that defy his personality because he loves fishing. Wow. And I think we all have that. It's just a matter of perspective, like you're talking about. Yeah. And and I love how you said that the relationship between love and learning because we yeah. all have that. Yeah, and and I think I think where this is really a paradigm shifting is. You know, whenever we're caught, you know, saying something like we're not an intellectual person or whatever, sometimes that can actually be uh, like, it's almost like a symptom of actually a much deeper misunderstanding. And sometimes it can be an understanding of what I actually need to get the wisdom Mm. out of the Bible that I need. Um, Because what we're not saying is that everyone will, you know, come to the same depth of knowledge or term use or be the same lover of research when it comes to their Bibles. We're not saying everyone has to be a functional seminary student. You know, one thing that I like... (laughs) As I say with two functional seminary students. (laughs) I'm on the journey of loving to learn, so... (laughs) So, but the thing... And the one thing that I like to say is, you know, God God has said... Love the Lord your God with all your mind, not your neighbor's mind. Oh, let's mm-hmm. go. So, yeah. you know, there it's it's not that everyone needs to be at equal depth in terms of their love for research and all that stuff. Yeah. It's it's much more, and that's why to some degree, even using the term like like you said, like intellectual person is not is not it's entirely not a term. It's not entirely helpful because, you know, that kind of brings up it, it could accidentally become this this um, I don't want to use the word excuse. It could be this like thing that accidentally leads you away from your Bible when there might actually be way more in there for you without you having to become a whole different personality. Could mm. it be a roadblock to reading your Bible? <laughs> <laughs> so what, one thing that I brought up at the training session yeah. um, was I took the team to Psalm 1. 
And, and I pointed out, and I read this from the CSB because I think it's really provocative. I like how it, you know, in the NIV ESV, it says how blessed are those. But I like how provocative the CSB is because it says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. So the psalmist here is connecting uh, basically the life of blessing to meditating on the word day and night. Mm-hmm. And if we think, we, I'm sure we would all agree that God wants the life of blessing or the life of happiness. Oh yeah, that's from verse this, one, right? Yeah. Blessed yeah. or happy. Blessed, yeah. okay. blessed or happy. Yeah. He wants that life for all of his children. And that requires, to some extent, meditating and taking in and putting on. I like to say uh, taking in and putting on is kind of a way of describing your relationship with looking in your Bible. Um, It would be really surprising if he wants the blessed life for all of his children to only give some of his children the capacity to do that. Yep. (laughs) It would be totally strange. Right. And so if the blessed life involves to some degree what I do with this, I mean, this is an iPad, but <laughs> that book, yes, then um, I should assume that God has given me the capacity to read it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not just for a certain kind of person, because the, ble- the life of blessing that God designs is not only for a certain personality type. Yeah, right. And, and so who, who, we, d- yeah. we don't want to kind of embrace, we don't want to put our own selves in this box of like, well, I'm just not an intellectual person, but hey, there are ways to dive into your Bible that don't mean you have to read for hours a day. Like, so yeah. true. There I, are other mediums out there, yeah. Yeah, I think going back to a bit of the cooking analogy, like the, the Bible, there's a, a property of the Bible where um, it has power regardless it has power in reading and receiving regardless of whether you fully understand it. In the same way that the food you eat has the power to nourish you, whether you understand what's going on with your stomach and calorie in that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, a PhD in anatomy who eats a burger and a regular person who eat a burger both receive the same yeah. effect. But there may be more joy in someone who wants to understand how food is made or the flavors and that. So I think our encouragement is not that everyone needs to buy a commentary and understand Greek, but our encouragement is that there is so much of the Bible to learn about that however God has made you in your mind, there is something in the word that you can receive from it. Yeah. Um, And that may be unique to you, um, and that's part of the beauty of the Bible, that the Bible is filled with history, poetry, commentary, mm-hmm. apocalyptic, yeah, all, different kind all of these writing, different yeah. kinds of things, yeah. um, and that all of us can come to it and, and receive from it. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the, it was really, uh, really helpful for me when you're talking about God didn't design his relationship with God is not dependent upon your personality type. Like... And and that, in that, like it's the Bible is not understood understood only by some of us. Like God's, when we open our Bible, we're having a conversation with God, whether you speak Greek or English. Right. Like God wants to converse with you through it. Yeah. There's this great this great um 
this, you guys are going to tease me for bringing up John's gospel, but there's this Always. great quote from that, that I, when I was studying this in, in class that my professor shared with us, and he said, you know, this gospel is um, deep enough that an elephant would drown and shallow enough that a kid could play in, yep. you know? And that's mm-hmm. the, that's true for, for all of all of this word is that, you know, if you're out here reading ancient Hebrew, then sick, you know, be the elephant that drowns in this this thing. Yeah. But you know, if you're if you're reading NIV in English, Genesis chapter one, like you are going to come to an understanding of God's truth through that, and I think that's so yeah. so important. And I think that's where before we move on to the third point, these are all interwoven because the the first one that we were talking about, I think, emphasizes our relationship with God and coming to Him and knowing. Yeah. knowing that he loves us and cares about our feelings. So ask God what's right for you in this time. Um, there was a there was a time where I could, in a way, keep up with you guys, your level of learning and reading and maybe the amount mm-hmm. of books you consume. But that, at least right now, I'm not in that season. And it's been humbling and difficult for me to let go of my own expectations or the pacing that I used to do, like how quickly Mm. I used to be able to read books or even how much opportunity I had to put in what I'm learning now. Like Uh I I'm taking courses for my technical work. Right. And that's Mm. a good thing for this season. So be okay with God will guide you and lead you as to what is a good amount of, you know, time to be spending or resources to be using uh, when studying the Bible, because There might be a season where you you can't you you read one book a year about the Bible yeah and that's okay totally um, mm-hmm. and it it we have to be aware of who we're surrounding ourselves with so right. um, sure. you know you guys send a podcast and a book recommendation like every week and I'm like I'm still <laughs> on the one from <laughs> not, last month not weekly anymore <laughs> not weekly anymore yeah. Uh, yeah I have a professor who determines what I read so that yeah <laughs> that doesn't help so but. I I wonder could I jump in here for a second yeah please because I'm yeah. thinking like you know to kind of bring it back around to the connection between love and yeah. learning. Yeah. Mm. So it's just even to take a moment that like, if you're listening to this podcast and you find yourself in that category of someone who is like, you found yourself thinking this way, even if you wouldn't have said it out loud, because right. sometimes these are really internal statements. And yes. Anyway, so, but if that is where you find yourself, my encouragement would be, to, to feel fine pushing yourself just a little bit further than you think you could actually go. Mm, because yeah. if it's true, and I think it is, that our love and our learning is, in, is inherently connected, that we seek to learn what we love, I can almost guarantee you that you will have more of a capacity for understanding and digging things out of your Bible than you think you do. And so, and, and one way to find that out is to just push yourself just a little bit past your comfort zone. Like pick up a book that has some terms you don't understand. Mm. It doesn't have to have so many of them, <laughs> but just a couple that like, I don't know, it's, I, I do really think that, you know, the, the calling here is to um, grow up into maturity in terms of our learning, in terms of our understanding. And that starts with just little bits at a time pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and and um and knowing what resources to go to to do that and yeah so yeah if you need if you want specific ideas like come talk to any one of us like yeah if you're if you're interested or you want a book recommendation about a certain topic like yeah we'd be happy to do so but totally point number three okay so our third 
I know but is I know shoot, Joel, help me. What is it? You've got it I written know down. that getting into my Bible is not that hard. Yes. But I would rather do something else. I know that getting into my Bible is not that hard, but I'd rather do something else. This is quite true for me. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this one is is the most relatable. I don't know. What about you guys? Yeah, so I would actually say that like this is also the same for me. And I would say that as funny as this may sound, but seminary students struggle with this too. Mm, so, yeah, but there's also fair. like really convenient ways where it pops up. Like for me, I have like the unusual privilege that my work, which is teaching high school part-time and my school, which is writing my master's, both of them involve theology and biblical studies. Mm. And so it's real easy for me to skip over to my devotions and go directly into, you know, those things uh, and just have some like loose justification for like, I'm sure it's still feeding my soul because it's still biblical studies and theology. <laughs> but but there is a sense in which it's still like work. Yep. It's still, you're on in a way that you're, and I don't mean to, you know, I, I seriously think that part of the problem with this is sometimes students of theology don't don't know how to do their theology as worship but that's a conversation for another time so <laughs> season five right. so um but aside from that you are still on in a way mm-hmm. yeah that you aren't when you're just like yielded with your coffee or not or tea or whatever and water <laughs> I'm trying to water. include everybody but like um so this is this is likewise for me too and mm. and the the first the very first point we ex- we explored the connection between uh faith and feelings yeah. and then we explored the connection between love and learning and now we're exploring the connection between hope and doing hmm. so all of us have rhythms in our life all of us do And so even as we talk about this, you might have some popping in your mind. And these could be things as big as like, I go to work every day from nine to five, or they could be as small as typically when I wake up, the first thing I do is make my coffee. So rhythm, life rhythms can be grand scale. They can be small scale, but we all depend on rhythms to go about our life. So the thing is, is that often without recognizing it, our hope and our rhythms are deeply connected. And oftentimes our hope is the heartbeat of the rhythms we give most space to. Say that again. Our our hope is the heartbeat of the rhythms we give the most space to. Hmm. Okay. So another way of saying this is you could say it in the negative too, that if our hope is depleted about something, it's probably going to show up in the rhythms we care least about. Mm. Yeah. So in the training session, I brought up what I think is a really interesting point about this. And this is really timely thinking about the last few years and, and how much, you know, time we've spent in our own homes. And I, I think one thing that happened over the last few years is our hope was affected because we came to see that life is not what we expect. Hmm. So, and there has been so much suffering and pain that's happened, whether around the pandemic or whether or not around it. 
it is not a surprise to me that people's rhythms of Bible reading and prayer have suffered in the last three years because our hope and our rhythms are deeply connected. Mm-hmm. So that when we have come to see, our hope has been our hope in God has been affected because life has proven itself to be totally unpredictable in our eyes, and so our it's like the candle in our in our, in our heart has flickered. The hope of the hope candle of our heart has flickered, and it's led us to be slower to approach the the throne room of grace by reading our Bibles and praying. I, I really do think it has done that. Yeah. So, so I, you're saying, and like, so I'm saying, yeah, go ahead. So just to try and try and summer, um, yeah. like restate. So you're saying that yeah. the, because the, uh, when our hope in God wanes, yes, we don't, we don't feel the same desire to then pray or read scripture or make that time. That's what, is that what you're Yeah. yeah. Rhythmically, like right. in terms of a rhythm, like, we're going to be slower to to actually make that a rhythm if our hope in God is is dwindling. Right. So this was a point when you originally gave it in the training that I would say I had the most trouble understanding. So okay. it's, it's been useful okay. that I've been able to think about it more. Um, I think for some personalities, like myself, it might be helpful to replace the word hope with outcome. Hmm. So my the rhythms I put the most effort into are the ones I most believe in the outcome of. Which, yes. is which is hope. Yes. Which is hope. Yeah, but yeah. but like so for example, um so funny. I like I couldn't when you initially asked because I still have my notes from the train, when you initially asked for rhythms, I I didn't know what to write down and I wrote oh, down. Oh yeah. So you said ones. like write down on a piece of paper yeah. a rhythm that you do every oh, day. Yeah. And and yeah. it just literally came to me now as you were explaining, and I was like, Oh Lord, do I have to say this? <laughs> One of the morning rhythms that I do, and my wife is gonna laugh so hard at this, is I go down and I get my dog from the basement every day and he has his crate where he sleeps. And when he comes out, I get down on both knees and we go face to face and we hug and his tail wags. And it's like a rhythm. I do the same thing. I say the same thing. We do it in this. And it's, and it's, but it's because I draw so much from that. He is Mm. perpetually happy every morning. And then we run up the stairs and we make coffee and we get Leilani and all that. Um, And I think, Sometimes when we think about rhythms, we think like brushing our teeth, which is like keeping our teeth healthy. There's not a lot of hope attached to that, but <laughs> there are things that we do that bring us joy and happiness. And this is why I think you're getting into. So yeah, can I that, can yeah. I latch onto your example there for yeah. a second? Of so say one morning you go down to get your dog. He slept on the wrong side of the bed, and he bites your hand. Yeah, that affects your Absolutely. idea of the outcome. And probably for the next bunch of days, you're going to be slow to want to go to your basement. Mm-hmm. So, and you might start to procrastinate it. And even one day you might be like, well, he can actually just stay down there. Like, think think about how your hope, your, Breaking my heart, your, your <laughs> assumption of like, my dog might bite me is now affecting your rhythm. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying something similar yeah. as far as our mind has happened in the last mm-hmm. few years yeah. yes. is that we had so much hope and anticipation, and I did as well, around like, what is God going to do in these next few years? And I, and I do believe God has done so many amazing things yeah. in the last few years. Yeah. But one thing that has happened is we have, we don't always see it that way. I think. And so, yeah. and so we're thinking like, well, 
we might have these dreams that it just seems like God hasn't delivered on, and it, and it leads us to procrastinate these life-giving rhythms, things like that. Sorry. Right. So yeah, I feel no, like yeah. God's left me. So because so, of that, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach out to him. Yeah. Exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. I feel like well, nothing really happens anyways. Yeah. Right. There's the outcome thing. Yeah. I think nothing will happen. Therefore, I'm gonna procrastinate this rhythm. Right. And and I think to maybe like kind of not too quickly leave this moment. I think maybe God is prompting you, the listener right now. So I'm kind of talking outwards. Like, have you fully addressed maybe what occurred in your heart and mind over these past couple of years? Specifically, yeah, right. we're speaking of the the COVID pandemic and all the related mm-hmm. things with that is yeah. maybe you do feel like God didn't live up to his side of the promise that, you know, the Psalm one, the blessed right. and the joyful life. Yes, and you're right. like, God, I, I have not been blessed I, or joyful. I have not been blessed or joyful. And yeah. I, I maintained, like I leaned on you in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and yeah. you didn't come through. And I don't have an answer to speak to that right now, except to say that as long as that question lingers, some of these life giving habits, like, we're talking about Bible yes, reading, but yes. even church and community, like those are going to be difficult until we answer those questions of was God with me? Did God yeah. hold up to his side of the things? Because yes. from my experience, like Claire and I were freshly married when COVID hit and we had we had plans to travel and see family and go and just plans in general. And I would say we're pretty blessed, so I'm not trying to say woe is me, but we had to deal with that. We had to talk about that. We Mm -hmm. had to go to God with that about, you know, the things that we missed or the years that we lost. And um, I even have it here with Koinonia sometimes where, you know, I've been here a long time and I I believe that God has big things in store for Koinonia. And there are seasons where I can get too caught up in not noticing what God is doing here. Yeah. Usually when I'm neglecting the rhythms you're saying, like... (laughs) You know, for those yeah. of us who have been on at Koinonia for a long time, like I would encourage you, like walk into a Sunday and look around. There are people and families and kids here, and God is doing something in our church, in our groups, in our men's and our women's groups, in our yeah. children's ministry, through the schools. Like God is doing something, and come, it, it can be hard sometimes if we're not mm. engaged in the rhythm and we're not really pushing ourselves that we miss it. Yeah. And and that hurts us more than it like hurts people around us. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. um I think that for me hearing you teach this again and us discussing it it's like yeah. that that for me is like yes when when I'm submitting myself and my rhythms to God hope emerges from that. When right. I read about how God has been faithful in scripture there is a hope that springs up in me um mm. even in the the hardest of times. Yeah. And especially when you don't feel like it. Especially when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Totally. Well, and I was going to say, yeah, this brings us full circle. Bring us. Because just like faith and feeling are connected, feelings and hope are connected too. Right. And, yeah. and faith, in a sense, like faith, hope is faith falling forwards, right? It's There's this, something similar <laughs> where you're anticipating to God to do something yeah. for you in the future. And so you don't just lean on God now, but you lean on his promises of yeah. future. Yes. And so um uh so there it does come full circle there and I would say one way that you can immediately apply this to see that is to see this at work in your own life is to grab a piece of paper or whatever and write out um one uh, because I am giving 
so much time to blank. I must be chasing after blank. Yeah. Uh, and that could be anything. Well, um, I'll use my example from yeah, the training. Yeah, so do, do. Because I'm giving so much time to make, setting up the coffee pot before I go to bed, I am, what's the second part of the statement? I, I am, am chasing, chasing after. after I, am, I am chasing after comfort in the morning. Yeah. And during mm. the week of prayer and fasting, when I was no longer drinking coffee, and that comfort in the morning was no longer there, I wasn't doing that rhythm before bed, it exposed in me that I get out of my bed to drink my coffee and then read my Bible. And I was telling myself that I'm getting up early because I want to spend time in God's word. But when I wasn't drinking my coffee, do you know what I did? I slept in. Yeah. I had a moment where I was up before my alarm and I was like, okay, I could get up and read or I could go back to sleep. And I went back to sleep. And when I woke up and I was processing that later, I totally felt this exact thing you're talking about. Like I'm putting my hope in the comfort that this coffee brings and not the truth that God's word brings. And that was what was getting me out of bed. So anyway, just to just to put some context to yeah, that great. The exercise, because I think the exercise is helpful. Yeah. So I think kind of to summarize like yeah. our, our three things. So the first is the connection between faith and feelings. Yep. Yeah. And our encouragement and kind of our habit with that is to go to the Bible expecting that God will affect your feelings. Yeah. And to start off with yes. small manageable, determined goals. Yeah. Training Whether, your feelings instead of yep. inherently trusting. Them. So that's that's, that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. The second was the connection between... The connection between love and learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So think about what do I love to learn? How do I apply that in that subject? And then redirect some of that towards yeah. scripture. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. good. That's good. And then the, I know that getting into my Bible is not that hard, but I'd rather do something else. And that's the connection between hope and doing. And, and doing. doing. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and the encouragement here is like, do some investigation into how your hope has and hasn't been affected, whether by the last few years or just in general. Yeah. yeah. Like, look at how, what your, what your rhythms are telling you about what you hope and don't hope for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. good. So these like three statements are ones that are so easy to, to be true in our, in our minds. And so our hope from this conversation is that the the things we talk about and some of the the practical things that we that we spoke about will help you push move these roadblocks out of the way because mm -hmm. the reality is the enemy will use whatever he can in our hearts yep. and in our minds to keep us from believing that God will meet us when we open our bibles and, and when we don't believe it we're not going to reach out to him and the next time you're talking with someone who says they have trouble reading their bible yes ask them questions that lead to this okay well what do you feel when you try to read your Bible? Yeah. I am so guilty. I've been very quick to be like, oh, you have trouble reading your Bible? Just schedule a five-minute routine in the morning, download the <laughs> version, get the ESV, da-da-da. And I'm just like not considering their feelings at all. Right. Yeah. It's mm. good. Well, guys, thank you. This has been helpful. Uh, Koinonia fam who's listening, thanks for joining us. Woo. And uh, may you experience a deeper um it may your relationship with God deepen as some of the stuff we talk about help to move those roadblocks out of the way from your relationship with your Bible. So we bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next time on the Coin Podcast. Bye.